Genesis 33-36 Jacob looked up and saw Esau coming with his 400 men. He divided the children between Leah and Rachel and the two maidservants. He put the maidservants out in front, Leah and her children next, and Rachel and Joseph last. He led the way and, as he approached his brother, bowed seven times, honoring his brother. But Esau ran up and embraced him, held him tight, and kissed him, and they both wept. Then Esau looked around and saw the children and women. And who are these with you? Jacob said. The children that God saw fit to bless me with. Then the maidservants came up with their children and bowed, and then Leah and her children also bowing, and finally Joseph and Rachel came up and bowed to Esau. Esau then asked, And what was the meaning of all those herds that I met? I was hoping that they would pave the way for my master to welcome me. Esau said, Oh, brother, I have plenty of everything. Keep what's yours for yourself. Jacob said, Please, if you can find it in your heart to welcome me, accept these gifts. When I saw your face, it was the face of God smiling on me. Accept the gifts I have brought for you. God has been good to me, and I have more than enough. And Jacob urged the gifts on him, and Esau accepted. Then Esau said, Let's start on our way. I'll take the lead. But Jacob said, My master can see the children are frail, and the flocks and herds are nursing, making for slow going. If I push them too hard, even for a a day, I'll lose them all. So master, you go on ahead of your servant, while I take it easy at the pace of my flocks and children. I'll catch up with you and seer. Esau said, Let me at least lend you some of my men. There's no need, said Jacob. Your generous welcome is all that I need or want. So Esau set out that day and made his way back to Seir. And Jacob left for Sukkoth. He built a shelter for himself and sheds for his livestock. And that's how the place came to be called Sukkoth, which means sheds. And that's how it happened that Jacob arrived all in one piece in Shechem in the land of Canaan, all the way from Padan Aram. He camped near the city. He bought the land where he pitched his tent from the sons of Hamer, the father of Shechem. He paid a hundred silver coins for it. Then he built an altar there and named it Mighty is the God of Israel. One day Dinah, the daughter Leah had given Jacob, went to visit some of the women in the country. Shechem, the son of Hamar the Hivite, who was chieftain there, saw her and raped her. Then he felt a strong attraction to Dinah, Jacob's daughter, fell in love with her and wooed her. Shechem went to his father Hamer, Give me this girl for my wife. Jacob heard that Shechem had raped his daughter Dinah, but his sons were out in the fields with the livestock, so he didn't say anything until they got home. Hamer, Shechem's father, went to Jacob to work out marriage arrangements. Meanwhile, Jacob's sons, on their way back from the fields, heard what had happened. They were outraged, explosive with anger. Shechem's rape of Jacob's daughter was intolerable in Israel and not to be put up with. Hamor spoke with Jacob and his sons. My son Shechem is head over heels in love with your daughter. Give her to him as wife. Intermarry with us. Give your daughters to us and we'll give our daughters to you. Live together with us as one family. Settle down among us and make yourselves at home. Prosper among us. Shechem then spoke for himself, addressing Dinah's father and brothers. Please say yes. I'll pay anything. Set the bridal price as high as you will. The sky's the limit. Only give me this girl for my wife. Jacob's sons answered Shechem and his father with cunning. Their sister, after all, had been raped. They said, This is impossible. We could never give our sister to a man who was uncircumcised. Why, we'd be disgraced. The only condition in which we can talk business is if all of your men become circumcised like us. 
Then we will freely exchange daughters in marriage and make ourselves at home among you and become one big happy family. But if this is not an acceptable condition, we will take our sister and leave. That seemed fair enough to Hamar and his son Shechem. The young man was so smitten with Jacob's daughter that he proceeded to do what he had what had been asked. He was also the most admired son in his father's family. So Hamer and his son Shechem went to the public square and spoke to the town council. These men like us, they are our friends. Let us settle down, let them settle down here and make themselves at home. There's plenty of room in the country for them. And just think, we can even exchange our daughters in marriage. But these men will only accept our invitation to live with us and become one big happy family on one condition that all of our males become circumcised just as they themselves were this is a very good deal for us these people are very wealthy with great herds of livestock and we're going to get our hands on it so let's do what they ask and have them settle down with us everyone who was anyone in the city agreed with Hamer and his son Shechem and so every male was circumcised but three days after the circumcision while all the men were still very sore Two of Jacob's sons, Simeon and Levi, Dinah's brothers, each with his sword in hand, walked into the city as if they owned the place and murdered every man there. They also killed Hamar and his son Shechem, rescued Dinah from Shechem's house, and left. When the rest of Jacob's sons came on the scene of slaughter, they looted the entire city in retaliation for Dinah's rape. Flocks, herds, donkeys, belongings, everything, whether in the city or in the fields, they took. And then they took all the wives and children captive and ransacked their homes for everything valuable. Jacob said to Simeon and Levi, You've made my name stink to high heaven among the people here, these Canaanites and Perizzites. If they decided to gang up on us and attack, as few as we are, we wouldn't stand a chance. They'd wipe me and my people right off the map. They said, Nobody's going to treat our sister like a whore and get away with it. God spoke to Jacob, Go back to Bethel. Stay there and build an altar to the God who revealed himself to you when you were running from, for your life from your brother Esau. Jacob told his family and those, those who live with him, Throw out all the alien gods which you have. Take a good bath and put on clean clothes. We're going to Bethel. I'm going to build an altar, altar there to God who answered me when I was in trouble and has stuck with me everywhere I've gone since. They turned over to Jacob all the alien gods they'd been holding on to along with their lucky charm earrings. Jacob buried them under the oak tree in Shechem, and then they set out. A paralyzing fear descended on all the surrounding villages so that they were unable to pursue the sons of Jacob. Jacob and his company arrived at Luz, that is Bethel, in the land of Canaan. He built an altar there and named it El Bethel, God of Bethel, because that's where God revealed himself to him when he was running from his brother. And that's when Rebekah's nurse, Deborah, died. She was buried just below Bethel under the oak tree. It was named Alan Bakuth, meaning weeping oak. God revealed himself once again to Jacob after he had come back from Padan and blessed him. His name is Jacob, heal, but that's your name no longer. From now on, your name is Israel, which means God wrestler. God continued, I am the strong God. Have children, flourish, a nation, a whole company of nations will come from you. Kings will come from your loins, the land I give, Abraham and Isaac, I now give to you and pass it on to your generations. And then God was gone, ascended from the place where he had spoken with him. Jacob set up a stone pillar on the spot where God had spoken to him. He poured a drink offering on it and anointed it with oil. Jacob dedicated the place where God had spoken with him, Bethel, which means God's house. They left Bethel. They were still quite a ways from 
Ephrath, when Rachel went into labor, hard, hard labor, when her labor pains were at their worst, the midwife said to her, don't be afraid, you have another boy. With her last breath, for she was now dying, she named him Ben-Oni, son of my pain, but his father named him Benjamin, God of good fortune. Son of good fortune. Rachel died and was buried on the road to Ephrath, that is Bethlehem. Jacob set up a pillar to mark her grave. It's still there today, Rachel's gravestone. Israel kept on his way and set up camp at Magal Adair. While Israel was living in that region, Reuben went and slept with his father's concubine, Bilhah, and Israel heard of what he did. These were the 12 sons of Jacob, the sons by Leah, Reuben, Jacob's firstborn, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, the sons by Rachel, Joseph, Benjamin, the sons by Bilhah, Rachel's maid, Dan, and Naphtali, the sons by Zilpah, Leah's maid, Gad, and Asher. These were Jacob's sons, born to him in Padan Aram. Finally, Jacob made it back home to his father Isaac, which is present-day Hebron, where Abraham and Isaac had lived. Isaac was now 180 years old. He breathed his last and died, an old man full of years. He was buried with his family by his sons, Esau and Jacob. This is the family tree of Esau, who is called Adam. Esau married women of Canaan, Ada, daughter of Elon the Hittite, Ahomabalah, daughter of Ena, and the granddaughter of Zibion the Hivite, and Basemath, daughter of Ishmael, and sister of Nebaioth. Edda gave Esau Eliphaz, Basemath had Ruel, Aholabama had Juash, Jalam, and Korah. These are the sons of Esau who were born to him in the land of Canaan. Esau gathered up his wives, sons, and daughters, and everybody in his household, along with all his livestock, all the animals and possessions he had gotten in Canaan, and moved a considerable distance away from his brother Jacob. The brothers had too many possessions to live together in the same place. The land couldn't support their combined herds of livestock. So Esau ended up settling in the hill country of Seir. Esau and Edom are the same. So this is the family tree of Esau, ancestor of the people of Edom in the hill country of Seir. The names of Esau's sons, Eliphaz, son of Esau's wife Adah, Ruel, son of Esau's wife Basemath, the sons of Eliphaz, Taman, Omar, Zepho, Gatam, and Kenaz. Eliphaz also had a concubine, Timnah, who had Amalek. These are the grandsons of Esau's wife Adah. And these are the sons of Ruel, Nahath, Zerah, Shammah, and Mizah, grandsons of Esau's wife Basemath. These are the sons of Esau's wife, Aholabama, daughter of Anah, the son of Zibion. She gave Esau his sons, Jewash, Jalam, and Korah. These are the chieftains in Esau's family tree. From the sons of Eliphaz, Esau's firstborn, came the chieftains Tamah, Omar, Zepho, Kenaz, Korah, Katam, and Amalek, the chieftains of Eliphaz in the land of Adam, all of the sons of Adah. From the sons of Esau's son, Ruel, came the chieftains Nahath, Zerah, Shammah, and Mizhah. These are the chieftains of Ruel in the land of Adam. All these were sons of Esau's wife, Basemath. These are the sons of Esau's wife, Oholabama, and chieftains Juash, Jalam, and Korah, chieftains born of Esau's wife, daughter of Anah. These are the sons of Esau, that is Adam, and their chieftains. This is the family tree of Seir the Horite, who was native to that land, Lotan, Shobal, 
Zibion, Ana, Dishan, Izar, and Dishan. These are the chieftains of the Horites, the sons of Seir in the land of Adam. The sons of Lotan were Hori and Hamam. Lotan's sister was Timnah. The sons of Shobal were Alvan, Manahath, Ebal, Shifo, and Unam. The sons of Zibion were Ai and Ana. This is the same Ana who found the hot springs in the wilderness while herding his father Zibion's donkeys. The children of Ana were Dishan and his daughter Alabama. The sons of Dishan were Hemdan, Eshban, Ithran, and Karan. The sons of Izar, Bilhan, Zaban, and Akan. The sons of Dishan, Uz, and Aran. And these were the Horite chieftains, Lotan, Shabal, Zibion, Ana, Dishan, Izar, and Dishan. The Horite chieftains clan by clan in the land of Seir. And these are the kings who ruled in Adam before there were, was a king in Israel. Bela, son of Beor, was the king of Adam. The name of the city was Dinahaba. When Bala died, Johab, son of Zerah, from Bozrah, became the next king. When, when Johab died, when Jobab died, he was followed by Hushan in the land of the Temanites. When Hushan died, he was followed by Hadad, son of Bedad. He was the king who defeated the Midianites in Moab. In the name of his city was Avath. When Hadad died, Salam of Masrachah became the next king. When Samla died, Shal from Rehoboth became king. When Shal died, he was followed by Baal-Hanan, son of Akbor. When Baal-Hanan, son of Akbor, died, Hadad became king. The name of this city was Paw. His wife's name was Mehetalabah, daughter of Matred, daughter of Mezabab. And these are the chieftains from the line of Esau, clan by clan, region by region. Timnah, Alva, Jehath, Olabama, Allah, Pinan, Kenaz, Taman, Miz, Mibzar, Magdiel, and Iram, the chieftains of Adam as they occupied their various regions. This accounts for the family tree of Esau, ancestor of all Edomites. Obviously, this section of scripture is one of our most difficult thus far because of so many names um, and clans and chieftains and generations. But I think that it's super interesting to remember that as we read through, especially the Old Testament, but even in the New Testament, it was very important back in that day to have a line of ancestry and be able to follow your ancestry back. And I think we still um, have an interest in this in today's society where there's Ancestry.com and just figuring out where you come from. It's an incredibly important thing to so many of us. And I think that's something that's been put in us. And so before there were as good of records as we have now, it was important that they followed the family lineage and that you could follow back to your father. I think the coolest thing is it's really pointing back to Abraham and even further back to creation and just that God knows your name. Every name is important to him. We're all children of his. And so when he names us name by name, um, in the Bible and in his world, it's, it's a vital thing to remember that you matter and that your name is important to God.